Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. I made you guys a promise, and I'm a man of my word, okay? There just happens to be a guitar here. Let's see if I got a pick. As I'm searching for this pick, let me give you guys a little bit of backstory. This song that I'm going to share with you this morning is special for a couple reasons. Um, one, because the uh, the initial... Does anybody have a pick? Oh, here it is. Never mind. I'm good. Um, the initial uh, song, uh, the inspiration behind it, actually came when I was uh, first... And Dan's a little smaller than I am. Is this, Dan, is this the cord that I need to plug in here? Plug in. Do I need to do anything up here? Oh, we got sound. All right. Um, So the, the original inspiration for this song came... The original inspiration for this song came when I was working here at River Valley Ranch in, in 2004. How many of you were staying up at Fort Roller? Okay, cool. Fort Roller looked a lot different in 2004. Those little mansions that you guys are in, okay? We had cabins that you could like, you could watch a movie through the cracks in the wall of those cabins. It was, it was rustic. Um, and where your awesome parking lot is now, it was, it was pasture and um, a lot of evenings, uh, Brad, actually, you're the, like our director here, um, was my co-counselor in 2004. And uh, we would take turns in the evening. Just one, one person would stay in the cabin with the kids and, and just listen and make sure nothing crazy went on. And the other person would just go out to the field and, and just be quiet before the Lord and, and seek the Lord. And um, I remember one evening, the sun was not quite down, and um, I was just sitting there, and, and I, was, I was not doing anything specific. I'm just looking around. There's a heck of a view from up there, and I saw this, this bird, I mean, soaring high, 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 way up in the sky, and, and my head, naturally, it goes to like, man, I wonder if that's a, a falcon, or I wonder if that's like an eagle, because it looked so majestic up there flying. And I followed it, and I followed it, and I followed it, and it eventually landed actually not too far from me up in a tree. And, and I looked close, and I'm like, oh, man, it's a, it's a crow. You know, and initially my heart was kind of like, blah, you know, a crow. But as I'm sitting there, and I'm, and I'm just kind of contemplating what I'm seeing here, I'm like, you know what? Crows have tremendous value. And, and my, my initial inclination is to kind of write that crow off as being worthless. You know, they're scavengers. But here's the thing. God created crows for a purpose. You know, they have a purpose. And so, you know, I'm thinking about this. How do I illustrate this with the kids? What can I do with this? You know, and the reality is we all have purpose. And some of you, you're bald eagles, and some of you, you're falcons, and some of you are crows, and some of you are sparrows. I heard you singing this weekend. You know, we all have value, and we all have purpose. And so this song, it it was inspired there, but I didn't finish it there, all right? I finished it almost 10 years later. I was in Alaska. One of my former youth kids 
lived in Alaska, and he got married, and they brought me out there to do the wedding, which was like pretty awesome. If you guys ever get married, remember me. If you're somewhere else, like Maryland, I mean, we'll talk about it. But, but I'm in Alaska. You know, I've got a couple kids at this point. We're in Anchorage. We go to the outskirts of town, hiking a mountain. And, and again, I'm inspired by what I see. And uh, so the, the, probably the last third of this song was inspired when I was in Alaska. But the first, the beginning of it was the inspiration lied right here in uh, River Valley Ranch. And I want you also to just know that, that this is like, I'm being very vulnerable with you guys. This is not something that I typically do, um, but I feel comfortable around you guys. And I hope you guys will, will in turn, you know, be the same way. Listen, we're all here. We're on a journey. Uh, we don't have to put up walls. We don't have to pretend to be what we're not. Um, so anyway, all right, without further ado, here we go. Okay, stop. That was the song. I can't, Dan Canon plug, I can't figure you guys out, all right? Like with The Little Mermaid, I was sure that you guys were going to be like, what is his problem? And now I'm like, I did the crow song for you, and you're like, what? Do I not inspire you? Stop. All right. The Lion King makes me incredibly emotional. And it's too late in the weekend for that. Let me briefly address what we just did here. All right. This is symbolism. All right. This is symbolism. You guys symbolized what we talked about this weekend. You guys come in here with a burden, a sin burden, an inheritance of sin and death. And what we're doing is symbolizing what we're talking about. We're bringing those things to the cross and we're laying those burdens down. And we're taking a key which symbolizes the freedom that we have when we are in Christ. Now, I know that some of you all this weekend, the Lord's done a work in your heart and I've heard a testimony of those things. And... Um, you have a newfound freedom that's in Christ. And the whole purpose of what we're going to talk about this morning is what do we do with that freedom? Like, what do we do now that we have appropriated that gift of salvation in our own lives? Before I explain that a little bit more, um, there's something that we need to do. We're going to be looking at Scripture this morning. And every time we look at Scripture, there's a principle of, of, of study. There's a principle of Bible study that is indispensable, and that is total reliance on the Holy Spirit to teach us, all right? So before we look at His Word this morning, let's bow and let's ask Him to do that. Father, we thank You again for a tremendous weekend. Um, what a blast we have had. Lord, relationships have been built. Uh, relationships have been strengthened and deepened. Lord, we've learned a lot 
about each other, about ourselves, about you. And Lord, this morning, as we look at this idea of what we're supposed to do with our, our freedom, and we look at Scripture, and we try and get a glimpse of your heart, we pray that you would reveal yourself to us as only you can do. We pray that you would teach us as only you can do. Lord, mold us, shape us, conform us to the image of Christ. We pray in his holy and precious name. Amen. You guys are going to be headed home like soon, like probably within the hour. Uh, and so I want to leave you all with some encouragement this morning because, I, like I said, uh, some of you appropriated a gift last night. The gift of new life in Christ. But no, no matter where you stand this morning, I, I think that there's a word to share with you that will hopefully give you a pad to launch from when you get home. But before we do that, let's, let's quickly recap what we've seen this weekend. We know who we are and we know where we came from. We are sinners. <laughs> um, we inherited a sin debt from Adam, our first father. We're born into sin, and the wages of our sin is death. It is our very inheritance. But we also know, as we talked about last night, that um, a ransom was paid to redeem us from that sin in the sacrifice of Jesus and his death on the cross. Hopefully, we've grasped, gra grasped that truth and, and are now ready to move on in a spirit of freedom. And here's the thing. Some of you guys, I said this last night, some of you guys, you're not there yet. You're hearing these things. You're processing these things. They're on the sticky side of your brain, but you haven't done anything with them. That key, hang on to that as a reminder because one day, God might open your eyes and all these things are going to fall into place and you're going to say, oh, okay. Let that key be a reminder that God has saved you and called you to freedom. You know, if, 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 if this, what we did here, this, this symbolism, if that was like a, something that could save you, that would be like us contributing to our salvation. Like, oh, we're putting this rock down there and we're taking this key. Like, that's something that would happen under the law. We're going to do this and we're going to receive this. We're not under the law. Uh, we're saved by grace through faith. We talked about that last night. You confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. So what do we do with our freedom? To answer that question, let's look at Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19. The writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with, bless you, pure water. And let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. My congregation jokes with me all the time because 
I'm pretty slow when it comes to working through Scripture. And, and to be completely fair, if I was preaching on those six verses, it would probably take me a couple weeks. We don't have a couple weeks. I've got 17 more minutes. And so let me just, let me just point out a couple things here and then give you some illustration and let me give you some application. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you on your way, okay? The writer here of Hebrews speaks about the confidence that we have to come straight to God. You see, under the law, that wasn't possible. You, you couldn't just come before God. You couldn't go into the temple. You couldn't go into the holy of... You could go into parts of the temple. You couldn't go into the holy of holies or you'd man, be struck dead. You didn't have that relationship. You couldn't have that communion with God. It wasn't possible under the old covenant. You had to have a mediator and that mediator was the priest. And now the writer of Hebrews says, we have our own high priest. And that high priest is Jesus. And that, that great high priest has cleansed us. And now let's do, let's do this. Let's hold fast to what we know. And let us encourage and let us build up one another. And let's continue in fellowship. What do you do with your freedom? Even among Christians, this, the answer to that question gets a little bit muddy, I think. And it has a lot to do with our culture. It has a lot to do with um, you know, the things pulling at us and, and vying for our attention. Did Jesus come and live a perfect, sinless life and die a criminal's death on a cross? so that you could spend the rest of your life here on earth crushing it, living the dream, and enjoying all the finer things of life and living for yourself? Is that why Jesus came and died? Um, no. It's not. But there's people in the church that will tell you that. Okay? It's a shame that we have to do this. It's a shame that we have to clarify among the body of Christ that like, this life is not about you. It's not. You know, I, 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 it's Sunday morning. I could be with my church family this morning. I could be with my literal physical family, you know, holding my, my little girl's hand, taking her to church so that he, she can hear about Jesus. But, but I'm here with you guys. And I've loved being here with you guys. One of the things that God has called me to do is, is to serve Him through the sharing, the, the preaching, the teaching of His Word. And if you are in Him, He has gifted you and He has called you to share the gifts that He has given you to build up others, to, to build the kingdom, to edify His body. I want to share with you one of the best passages that I think that I can share with you this morning that will hopefully encourage you in this direction of, of service and using your freedom not to, not to build up yourself, not to make the most out of yourself, but to, to build up and encourage and to serve others. And this comes from Philippians chapter 2. And if you, you don't know, 
Uh, The book of Philippians was a letter written by the Apostle Paul. When he wrote it, he was in Rome. He was under house arrest. He's not like in a physical, um, dark, dungy prison, but he's in a house, but he's under house arrest 24-7. He's chained to Roman centurions while he awaits a trial before Caesar. So Caesar can either say, uh, you know what, let's, let's beat him up and then let's let him go on his way. Or, you know what, this guy's causing a lot of problems. We're, we're just going to kill him. All right, That's, those were the two options that awaited Paul as he wrote this letter to the church in Philippi. And this is what he encourages them to do. And the, the subtitle in my Bible is this, Be Like Christ. Be like Christ. How do we do that, Paul? Verse 3 of Philippians 2, he says, Do nothing from selfish, ambi- or selfish ambition or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Um, society will not tell you to do that. Your flesh won't tell you to do that. Your flesh says, hey, you need to look out for you. Paul says, hey, you want to be like Christ. You need humility. You need to look at other people and and see their needs and see them as more important than yourself. He says, verse 4, don't merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Here's a recap. Who, although he existed in the form of God, John chapter 1, in the Word was the beginning, in the Word was, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then we saw in verse 14, the Word became flesh. So he existed in the form of God, but did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The Apostle Paul says, hey, be like Christ. Be like Christ. You see, that's what Paul's encouraging us to do in this text, that we would serve as as Jesus served. And if we need to to suffer, if if the world hears our message and says, you know, we're not really cool with this, and we're going to mock you, we're going to make fun of you, we're going to treat you differently because what you believe is not what we believe. Hey, Jesus experienced that every single day. We're going to suffer Hey, Paul says, suffer as Jesus suffered. Do it with joy. An expectation that the one who saved us is faithful. Guys, I had a ton of illustrations that that I thought about sharing with you guys this morning to show you what this looks like practically. And I've chosen a contemporary one because I want you to see that this is not just a myth. Like there's people today who are actually doing this. You know, I think we have a tendency to look at Scripture and we're like, well, that was great 2,000 years ago, but like, What about now? You know, Paul didn't have TikTok. Paul didn't have Twitter. He didn't have all these things vying for his attention. He didn't have all these messages coming at him telling him, hey, Paul, it's all about you. My parents are missionaries. I grew up a pastor's kid. My parents are missionaries in Greece. And if you are familiar with what's going on around the world. You know in the Middle East that there's, it's just perpetual conflict. Wars, people getting bombed and, and blown up. And, and again, you know, over here in America, we're so sheltered. We don't 
No, we don't care really, honestly, because everything's fine for us. My dad just got back Thursday from a trip to Athens to meet with his um, kind of a church has been established there in Athens among refugees and and him and a number of other folks created this project called the Evangelist Project where they're training evangelists there in, in Athens to minister to these refugees that are, are coming in from other places and seeking asylum there in Greece. And, and here's why they're leaving. You know, refugees, they don't just leave because they're like, hey, you know, uh, Greece sounds like a wonderful place to go. They're leaving because, hey, tomorrow they might get blown up. Their family, their kids might get... I have, I've seen pictures, guys... It'll break your heart. These people are leaving because they feel like they have no other option. There's nothing else for them to do but to try and make a life somewhere else. And my parents and a lot of people like them are over there and they're receiving these people and and the tremendous majority of them come from a Muslim background. And back in 2020... my dad and and the main evangelist that he works with, uh, that evangelist, his name is Muhammad. They met with a guy, a young man named Noor. All right, Noor. We got a picture of Noor we're going to put up here. All right, that's Noor as a young man. Uh, Noor served in the Iranian army. That picture, I think that's just like something on the picture. I don't think that's blood splattered on his his uniform. Um, Although... I could share similar stories with you, people, you know, who were in ISIS, people who did terrible things. And and you know what they do now? They tell their Muslim brethren about Jesus. It's amazing. Guys, never underestimate the power of the gospel to change people's hearts. Noor served several years in the Iranian army. Um, He lived in a region of, of Iran that he spoke uh, two languages, which made him very, very useful. But after he got out of the army, he, he fled Iran um, and ended up in, in Greece, uh, specifically on the island of Lesbos. That's where my parents were serving at the time. And uh, they, they put these folks in camps there. They come over on boats. Um, you know, some of them make it, some of them don't. They've got there on the island what's called the, the life jacket graveyard. And it's, I mean, it's, it's many times the size of this building that we're in, and it's piled high life jackets of refugees who have, have come across. And, you know, some of them made it and some of them didn't, but they, they still retrieve these life jackets and they pile them up in this life jacket graveyard. Nor made it to the island of Lesbos. And, and as soon as he got there, one of the first people that he encountered was the evangelist, Muhammad. And the Lord had already gone before Noor and had been working in his heart, and he was searching. He, he was young, and, and his life was in shambles. Again, he left because he felt like there was no other option for him. But he gets to the island, he encounters Muhammad, and, and Muhammad shares with him a message very similar to the message that I shared with you all last night. And God did a miracle in Noor's life and revealed himself to him and changed his heart. Now, Nor, as many of the, the folks who were coming across did, had a background in, uh, in Islam. 
And so for him to turn from that and to proclaim the name of Jesus as his Savior, was a, it was a big deal. Um, you know, when we say the word miracle, we, we always think to, oh, you know, people being healed and to all of the, you know, uh, fire coming from heaven and all this. Guys, anytime somebody, their heart is, is touched and changed by God, that's a miracle. That's a miracle, okay? God did a miracle in, in Noor's heart and, and, and changed his heart. He was immediately baptized. And the day after he was baptized, he was with Muhammad on the streets in Lesbos evangelizing, telling other Muslim people about how Jesus had changed him. And, and that might sound like, hey, that's great for him. That was a dangerous thing because when Muslims defect from the faith, do you know what other Muslims do? They say, you have brought shame to our religion. Um, we're going to, out of honor you know, for Allah, we're going to have to kill you. This is, this is serious business that Noor is engaged in. But here's the thing. After a period of time, he's, he's, he's ministering. He is, um, he's uh, doing the work. And he doesn't know everything. He, there's a lot that he doesn't know. But he knows that Jesus has come into his life and Jesus has changed him. And then one day, and he got granted asylum. What does that mean? It means that he's, he's gone through, he's filled out paperwork, and the Greek government has said, okay, you've got a valid excuse for being here. We're going to give you asylum. We're going to let you go to the mainland in Athens. You know, he's on an island. We're going to let you go to the mainland. And then we're going to, um, you know, look at you further and decide what to do with you from there. He goes to the mainland in, in Greece. Paperwork goes through. They say, okay, you know what? We're going we're gonna to let you go. You're free to go to one of these welfare countries like Germany. Germany takes in all kinds of refugees and when they bring them there, they give them housing, they give them money. Noor got those papers and he came to Muhammad. And he said, I, I've been granted asylum. I'm, I can go. To him, that's Freedom. He's never had this in his life. He's got the papers. He's got the permission from the Greek government to go. Go to one of these welfare countries. Get taken care of. And Noor stood before Muhammad and he said, ah, I can't go. I feel like God needs me here. And so he made the decision that day to stay in Athens and I wish I could say that his journey was an easy one and that, you know, immediately things began to fall into place. Here, here's the thing. One day, Noor is in Athens and he's, he's sharing the gospel. And, um, um, he's in a car of people and they're going to a specific location. I think they were going to minister to refugee women and children. And the police, the Greek police stopped their car and they say, hey, we, we're going to need you to follow us back to the police station. We want to check your papers. We want to make sure everything's okay. They get to the police station the police confiscate their papers, confiscate their phones, confiscate their money. They put them on a boat. They don't tell them where they're going. They go and they drop them on the coast of Turkey with nothing. With nothing. I've got a picture of, uh, let's, uh, I think, go back Okay, so right there, 
You see that arrow pointing to that? That's a, a, a shed. An abandoned shed. Nor spent two years living in that shed. While he made five different attempts to get back to Greece. You guys wouldn't put your dog in that shed. And yet Norris spent almost two years there trying to get back to Greece. On his sixth attempt, he made it back. And Muhammad, his spiritual father, the evangelist that had shared the gospel with him, met up with him and said, okay, Nor, we, we, I've got digital copies of your stuff. Let me, let me get it to you. Here it is. Okay, your, your key to freedom is again in hand. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to go to Germany? Are you going to go to one of these welfare states and get taken care of? Nor said, I, I think God wants me to be here in Athens, where he has nothing. Athens gives him nothing. He has no place to live. Nobody gives him a check every month. Nor didn't know a whole lot, but you know one of the things that he did know is that that God was serious when he told the Apostle Paul that my grace is sufficient for you. And His grace is sufficient for you. Some of you guys, you still, you're hanging on to, to stuff in your life and you're like, I just, I... His grace is sufficient for you. Let those things go. He has called you to something bigger. He has called you to something deeper. Go to that next picture. All right. This is Nor getting baptized, okay? So this was early on in the story. That's my dad to the left. That's Muhammad to the right. Now go to the next picture. That's Nor on the left. Now he's, he's ministering. He's evangelizing. He's baptizing. He could be in Germany, living the dream. But he decides to stay. And then the last picture. This is Nor on the street ministering to other refugees. Guys, this happens. It's not just something that we look at in Scripture and say, that makes us feel good and it makes us tingle and, and that's great to read about. Like People are doing this. They realize that Jesus wasn't joking when He said, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow Me. I hope you guys are encouraged by Noor's story. I, I've, that's the first time I've been able to share it. Um, but for any of you who may be new to following Jesus, let me also use this as an opportunity to let you on a secret. Following Jesus can be hard. This is where we have to understand the difference in that message. You see, what if Muhammad, in the first time that he encountered Nor, said, if Muhammad had said, Nor, let me, let me hit you with some knowledge. Trust Jesus and your life's going to be great. Nor, trust Jesus and he's going to give you the desires of your heart. He's going to give you whatever you want. You're going to go, you're going to live your best life. What's going to happen when Noor gets picked up at the police department? His stuff is confiscated and he's dropped on the coast of Turkey. Noor's going to be pretty confused, isn't he? He's going to say, this Jesus stuff is for the birds. Let me be honest with you guys. Following Jesus is hard. Following Jesus is hard. He said to his disciples, hey, if the world hated me, 
You think it's going to be any different for you guys? No. No, but let me, let me give you one more illustration. Why do I have so many pockets? Or as my kids say, pocketses. If you guys like Lord of the Rings, is it Smeagol that says pocketses? I got a dollar bill here. I got a book here. If I put this dollar bill in this book, then the dollar bill is in the book, right? <laughs> when we make that decision to follow Jesus, something changes. Scripture says that we become a new creation and that all of a sudden we are placed in Christ. Now, if this dollar is in this book, if, if the book gets thrown on the floor, is the dollar still in the book? If I were to take this book and, and throw it out here in the creek, is the dollar still in the book? I won't take it and throw it in that fire pit because then it's all going to be burned up and my illustration goes to pot. But regardless, where this book goes, the dollar bill goes with it because it's in the book. Guys, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are in Christ. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, I don't have this on the screen. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when um, Jesus has gone to the cross, He has been buried, He has risen again, He appears to the disciples right before He's going to ascend for the final time to the, the right hand of the Father of God. This is the command that He gives them. He says, you guys are going to be My witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to all the ends of the earth. That was the, that was the mission that Jesus left them with. But here's the method. He didn't say, hey, I'm going to leave you to your, your wit and your intellect and your funny stories. He says, you guys are going to receive power. The Greek word is dunamis, which we get our word dynamite from. All right, that's a new way to look at the word power. You guys are going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Guys, you can hear this story and, and you can say, man, that's great. In the flesh, the natural self, this isn't possible. But when we're in Christ, Christ is in us. And there is this union. And He empowers and He enables us to do what He's called us to do. Jesus said the greatest commandment. I can simplify all of this. Jesus said the greatest commandment is this when somebody asked Him, love God and love people. Love God, love people. You know why Nor is slumming it in Greece? Because he loves God and he loves people. And he demonstrates that through service. Last verse I want to share with you. Following Jesus is hard, okay? It's hard. But can I, can I say it's going to be worth it? Can I say that it's going to be worth it? The Apostle Paul, later down his life in 2 Timothy chapter 4, He's in prison again, like legit prison this time. And he knows, hey, I've been here before, um, but this time, like my end is coming. He's, he's going to be killed by, by uh, Rome. He's going to be killed. But he writes to Timothy, his, his son in the faith, and this is what he says. He says, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I've kept the faith. 
In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Guys, it's going to be worth it. You can spend your life building up treasure here on earth. You can spend your life spend your life building up TikTok followers and doing all this stuff. But here's the thing. If you're in Christ, He has called you to a specific purpose and He has given you freedom and the ability to live for Him. Make your life count for the kingdom. Last thing I want to share with you. Let's... Let's, we talked about that definition of freedom the first night, Saturday morning. Can we redefine that word freedom? Can we, can we look at it this way? Freedom is not the desire to do as you please. That's the world's definition of freedom, okay? In Christ, let's look at freedom this way. It's not the desire to do as you please, but it is the supernatural Christ in us us in Christ, dollar in the book, the supernatural power to do as you should. What has He called you to do? Love God, love people. May He give us the grace and the power to do that. Let's bow. Father, oh, there's so much for us to look at. There's so much for us to consider. We've seen so many things happening this weekend. And again, Lord, I just want to acknowledge that you are the only one who can take these things and make them real to us. True change only occurs by your power at work within us. And so, Father, I ask once again this morning that you would take your word, that you would penetrate the hearts of these students. Lord, that you would help them to see that they have a purpose and it is great. And it is to make an impact for your kingdom. Lord, you have saved us. You have given us freedom for a reason. But to truly enjoy it and to walk in the full potential of it, we need your help. God, enable us in all things to do what you would have us to do. Father, I pray a special blessing on each and every one of these students here today. Guide them, guard them. Lord, continue to do a mighty work in their lives. And for their leaders, God, we're so thankful that they have given of their time this weekend to be here to minister to these kids. God, we pray a special blessing on them as well. Many of them are going to have to get up and they're going to have to go to work tomorrow and they're going to be exhausted from all the fun they've had this weekend. God, Enable and empower them to walk in your strength. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. We thank you for your patience and for your love for us. And it's only because of that that we can say this morning that we love you. And we pray these things in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Live After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.